You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. And today we are joined by the creator behind God, It's Me, Margo. Margo, not Marjo, right? Yes, correct. I have a friend named Marjo. I think that's why I'm getting confused. I, whatever. The brain. Haven't had coffee yet. It's too late to have coffee. I'm screwed. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. I'm literally so excited to be here. This is my first podcast I've ever done. That's we get that a lot, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that though because um, it for those of you that are new to us, uh, we really like to create space for maybe people who haven't had space to talk about these issues, um, and just also a reminder that like. I think sometimes people think like, I don't want to share because my story isn't important or it's not unique. It's been told before when that's just a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we like to have this space for people that can share real authentic stories. So, yeah. And you're all about that on the, on the gram, on the TikTok. you're into it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't shy away from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it. People. Tell us about like the the beginnings, the the testimony behind it all. You know, tell us all about. Oh yeah, it. yeah. Let me share my testimony. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did grow up in church. Um, I. I I don't know if this is a unique experience, but my parents went to a church. Um, it was a veneer of like really hip, cool, like, oh yeah, we're progressive. But on the inside, it was very fundamentalist, very clicky. Oh yeah. Um, and I actually attended youth group at a different church. Um, so I had to go on Sundays with my parents. Um, but my, I guess, Christian identity and my, um, involvement with the church was largely at a church that I had been able to choose. Um, that was one that my parents had gone to when I was really, really little. So, um, the majority of my, you know, time in any church leadership was at this church. Well, then on Sundays going to my parents' church. Um, and yeah, so I was there, um, my whole entire life up until I moved out at my parents' church and evolved in my youth group from middle through most of high school. Um, I got involved with small groups. I was like a small group leader in high school for the junior high, middle school students. I was part of our main worship team at like, I call it my church versus my parents' church. Um, And then eventually when I was around 16 and 17, I felt like my parents' church was the quote unquote mature, like the next step for my faith. And I attempted to get involved with them in the ways I'd been involved with my, with my church. (laughs) Um, looking back, I, I feel that quote unquote, my church, (laughs) it gets a little confusing was 
it was such a better fit for me. And the moment that I decided to really focus on my parents' church and kind of investing myself there, uh, that's when things started to kind of crumble, uh, not consciously because I actively attempted to brainwash myself into fundamentalism. Um, but as I moved into my parents' church and attempted to really get involved, I really saw you know, what fundamentalist culture actually looked like and what American evangelical church culture looked like. Um, my church had been, uh, not outwardly, but looking back, very LGBTQ friendly, very, um, progressive in that it was a safe space for uh, the outcasts, for queer kids, for uh, women who wanted to pursue leadership. It was super chill and it opened up doors for me in a way that my parents' church um, could never even, you know, think of. So my deconstruction really started as I shifted into this more fundamentalist, really, really American white evangelical space. Um, and I was unable to find the community that I had had in my church. Um, so yeah, moving, moving forward and fully transferring over there. Um, I was mildly involved with like the worship team and actively tried to plug myself into leadership and it just didn't click. And that was when my eyes were opened and I was like, maybe I had had at my church a unique experience. And as I moved out of my parents' house and attempted, you know, to connect with other church groups, uh, small groups, I found that the experience I'd had with my parents' church was the common one. And my middle and high school experience had been very special and very different from the world that my parents were pushing me into and the evangelical church culture wanted to push me into. So as I moved out, I would say that, um, I don't know if I ever truly subscribed to evangelicalism, but at my at the request of my family, I I tried and tried, and so deconstruction was not a conscious thing for me until probably mid twenty nineteen is when I started finding language for it and started finding people who were Christians who you know believed the things that I did and didn't follow the evangelical American route. Mm. Yeah, I you did have a unique experience. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm just like, wow, that sounds great. I wish I had that. But yeah. <laughs> were that were these churches like affiliated with denominations? Were they both non-denominational? Like like were they in the same area? Like I'm just like, how could they be so kind of drastically different? But you had access to both. <laughs> I know, honestly, looking back, I the only reason I had access to my church was because my parents had gone there. And so they knew the youth pastor, um, who I was obviously being taught by. Um, so there was a level of comfort. They were like family friends, not close by any means, but they were there. Um, but they were Methodist. So my church was Methodist. My parents' church was 
they call themselves non-denominational and truthfully i don't know enough about the different like denominations to really be able to decipher if that was true but that's what they put on their website i think that answers enough of our questions (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) totally absolutely that yeah so you run this cool page where you kind of suss out your own deconstruction tell us a little bit about the passion behind that yeah i knew in wanting to be more public about my faith journey as everybody likes to call it (laughs) that i um it would not be welcome on my personal instagram page (laughs) um it would not be well received and it wasn't something that i wanted to make my entire identity because i do like you know a million and one things on top of talking about religion, fundamentalism, deconstruction, etc. So making a new page just felt like this can be my corner of the internet where that's, that's what I'm dedicated to. Religion is what I'm dedicated to here. Uh, but that's not everything that I am. And I never sought for it to be. So yeah, it was just, it was my community. It, it gave me um, more of a leg up when having conversations with, you know, people like you guys and other members of the deconstruction community who do have their, their deconstruction pages. It was just a pretty clear cut thing. And I wanted to kind of keep, not keep my family in the dark because they're very aware of where I stand with my faith, um, but just give them the option to not see it. Um, So it was kind of out of respect for that and just a desire to have something that was solely dedicated to deconstruction. You are so much nicer than I am because (laughs) (laughs) I'll get fucked. (laughs) Honestly, some days I feel that way. (laughs) I think I resonate with that because I think like I don't post a lot in my feed. Like I share stuff on my stories and like have little rants, um, but people can skip over that kind of thing when, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of like our podcast and our spaces is that exactly what you said. Like my mom listens every week. I know some other family members that listen every week, but then I know other family members that they're, they're not going to. And so exactly what you said, it's kind of that space of people that would like to come on this journey with me. Like, I love that. And I value that, but I'm not going to force people because it just causes conflict that I don't have time for. <laughs> yeah. I exactly. Conflict. <laughs> so I think not quite, but I love it. I know. I always feel that way until someone's like, well, the Bible says, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with this today. I really don't have time. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There are certain things that I'm like, you want to talk about what the Bible says? Let's do it. But then there's other times where I'm like, this is going to be a runaround and you're not gonna, mm-hmm. you're not gonna listen. So yep. yeah, 100%. Tell us a little bit about the the most obscene fundamentalist beliefs that you had to deal with? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so my, uh, family is anti LGBTQ is all the, all the good fundamentals are. (laughs) Yeah. And I, um, I guess this may not be the most obscene, but it's the one that was so, um, so hard for me to reckon with and ultimately led to my unconscious and then very conscious deconstruction. I was, I want to say 13 when I realized that gay people were real (laughs) and I was like, Whoa, yeah, I, I, 
was very good at sheltering myself and um, staying within the confines because I think I was always afraid that if I uh, learned more about anything that it would shake my faith. And so I was like, okay, if I just pretend I don't see it, I'll be fine. I don't have to worry about my faith being shaken. I'll just live in this little bubble of, of safety. You were so right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so when I realized I was like, it it was the conversation with my parents that basically went, yeah, gay people can be gay, but they can't, uh, have any love. They can't, um, you know, get married, act on their sin, or they were going to go to hell. And for me, I just remember that like very deeply unsettled feeling of like, that is wrong. That is wrong. And I didn't have any basis for why I felt that it was wrong. I still don't know why I just didn't listen to my parents and assume that that was the appropriate answer. Um, but I had, I had gay friends. I was like, these are good people. I just don't see how this God that you say is all loving and all caring could make the conscious decision to send a good person with good morals and healthy relationships to hell for their sexuality. Like it just did not make sense to me. So that was the most, um, prevalent and I guess it was continually shocking belief. And even now, uh, talking to family members who still uphold that belief, um, I, I I just can't wrap my head around it, especially knowing all that I do and knowing, you know, that the Bible, at least I don't believe that the Bible is inerrant. Um, especially once you add in context and you look to theologians who study the text and, and understand the context and the time in which it was written. I, yeah, I still can't wrap my head around it. I I can't get behind it. And I refuse to back down on that, especially having LGBTQ family members who I know have been hurt so deeply by the beliefs held by my parents and other family members. So somebody's got to fight them. Amen. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> what? I'm so I'm trying to think of like, was there like a defining moment when like, you know, like grow up, maybe you moved out, went to college. Was there one of those where like maybe your parents realized like, oh, there's no turning back for her or, or even a moment where you kind of was like, where you were kind of like, there's no, there's no going back from here and I'm going to lose things because of it. That is a great question. I, there's a few moments that stand out in my head, um, throughout my, my experience with faith. The first one is the day I broke up with my first boyfriend, my very good Christian boyfriend Mm. of three years. Um, I was in high school, like convinced I was going to marry this guy. He's still a stand up gentleman. I I respect him greatly. Uh, we just had such differing beliefs that it was never going to be healthy. And I, this was my come to Jesus moment. Um, and I look back now and recognize it as my first, like, like individual thought (laughs) 
that I really, really remember being like, wow, is this the word of God? And like, no, that was you like drawing a line. That was you creating your first boundary. I heard in my head, I was like, do it now or you're never going to do it. Those words exactly. And I was like, I have to break up with this guy right now. And as soon as that thought went through my head, the words were coming out of my mouth. And for years, I attributed that to God. And now in the past, just very recently, I've been like, wow, that was, that was me fully me embodied in myself and my boundaries and understanding what I really, really want. Um, moving forward, there was a moment in a small group that I was a part of and I questioned scripture. Um, we were reading the, the equally yoked verse. I'm really bad with my, with my verses. I never memorized them. Yes. That's <laughs> um, <right. laughs> yeah. And I remember we were going through it and they were like, blah, blah, blah. They, they read it out loud. And I was like, huh, the way that they're explaining this and the way that I'm reading this verse makes it sound like it's not about faith. It's about, you know, like, like it's about beliefs, but it's like political and responsibilities within the household and having similar goals and motivation. And when I brought this forward to the person leading the small group and said along the lines of, so you don't have to marry someone who's a Christian, as long as you're equally yoked in those, those other ways, um, and the swiftness with which they said, no, that's not what that means. Um, for me, that was the moment that I realized I was never going to marry someone who was a Christian, um, to everyone's dismay, surely. <laughs> um, and that held true. I am married to a non-Christian person. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that for me, I think was it didn't snowball into anything, but it's just one of those points that I remember. I'm like, that was a shift that my, my consciousness was a shift, my ability to, um, understand scripture and have differing opinions from other people who are reading the same scripture. Was that like, Oh, so the Bible doesn't, um, show itself the same way to everyone. And then from there, I think, I, nothing really, really clicked for me until 2019. And I met uh, my now, uh, one of my absolute best friends in the world who was well into her deconstruction. And we have very similar stories. And I realized that I was not alone. Um, and I had not felt lonely necessarily, but I had just kind of put church and put God on a shelf. Like I'll deal with that later. I don't know what to do about it bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then once I found out that other people had similar experiences, um, that's when everything really started to, to pick up speed and my brain kind of like clicked on and I was like, hmm, I need to look into this. And then as, as COVID happened and TikTok happened and, and more and more people, I started hearing their stories. Um, I really got into it in more than just a passive, um, observational way. And I really started to engage with deconstruction and the community surrounding it. 
So was yeah. TikTok your gateway drug? Yes. <laughs> Actually, YouTube was. Surprisingly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started watching Jimmy Snow, Mr. Atheist. Mm-hmm. I had gotten his videos popping up in my recommended for probably months. And I was so afraid to click on them because his name was Mr. Atheist. And I just had this gut feeling. I was like, if I watch this, I know that this will shake my faith. What, whatever my faith currently is, this will impact me in a way that I will not be able to like go back from. Um, and I was totally right (laughs) because as soon as I watched one video, I was watching them all. And then I found like God is gray and girl defines. And I was like, Oh my gosh, girl defines is like what I grew up with more or less. And I was hearing people come up, not come up, but like provide articulate, uh, like, Oh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like an articulate defense for, um, not girl defined <laughs> against what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't realized that those existed, that, that there was, um, something else outside of what I had been raised with and hearing people bring educated, um, rebuttals to their, uh, seemingly infallible arguments. Um, it was game changing for me. Yeah. It's funny how, um, all these fundamentalist beliefs, cause I grew up in a semi-fundamentalist church. Um, well, there's assemblies of God, which tends to lean that way um Mm -hmm. and my frame of reference for like a fundamentalism kind of gets me freaked out because for me fundamentalism generally my like my grandma's church which is apostolic she doesn't cut her hair doesn't wear makeup doesn't wear pants but you know that's not the that's not all of fundamentalism right it can extend leaps and bounds way and it was it's funny how you grow up and you hear these things like you're never going to be happy if you're married and you're not following the Proverbs 31 woman model. You're not going to be mm-hmm. happy. And then you decide, well, for me, my journey was I would said, OK, well, then fuck that. I'm never going to get married because my aspirations are too big, too large. My life, my personality, who I am as a person does not fit in this box of being a stay-at-home wife like that doesn't match my personality that's not what i want which is not to say that people shouldn't do that if that's what you want that's a lovely lifestyle do what you want but i don't believe in this man as the head of the household mentality right i believe in the partnership Mm -hmm. no matter what profession or position you take in your family and then i got married because there was this dude who was like oh no i don't want that for you i want you to live your biggest dreams and do whatever you want better yet i'm gonna make money and you can use it for whatever you want i was like great thanks ryan um (laughs) great hookup yes exactly and i'm here and like yes we have our issues like everybody has their fucking issues but i think of the opposite of what could have been i would have been miserable being under the thumb of some random ass dude because he was born with a dick. I don't think so. And that's what they think of as infallible, right? Is that these systems that they've created, that they've interpreted from a Bible, from a book written by a bunch of dudes in a worse patriarchal society, this is the end all be all. And if you deviate, it's scary and it's bad. 
And that's mm-hmm. really all it is, right? Is that that's scary. I don't know what that is. Or gay people are icky because I don't understand that. It's this like fear of breaking the norm. And they see it as truth instead, instead of accepting that it's just a little bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> when you were talking about, you were like, I, that's when I knew I wasn't going to like marry a Christian. So was that like an active choice or was that just like, like it kind of just happened that way? Um, I'm asking, cause I am married to someone who is more of an agnostic was raised Lutheran. And now, um, you know, similar to me of sees a lot of problems with the church, but also very much agrees that like, if you look at like the life of Jesus, it's a very good moral standing and something that we'd like to raise our children with, but still iffy about just God in general. So I'm just wondering, like you, like you said, if that was like active, like you're a Christian, I don't want to date you or what was that process? I mean, yeah, (laughs) yeah, honestly, it was, it was, um, it was really passive. It was like an understanding. And like in that moment, light had been shed on something that I realized I had always held. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was not, however, the way that I continued to try and live my life because I did yearn for a good Christian boy because I was like, well, he's in church. He's right there. And he was cute. I had a crush on this guy at at my parents' church. And I was like, maybe this is the Lord speaking into my life and redirecting Mm -hmm. my path. I was really wrong. (laughs) I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, It did not become, I don't think it was ever an active choice. It was just like, it has always been coming to an understanding of me and my body. I really resonate with like, um, embodiment as an ideology almost. Um, because I think that, that I do rely so wholly on my intuition, um, that all of my revelations from, for lack of a better term come from uncovering something new within me that I then find has actually always been there. Mm-hmm. So I just stopped searching for a Christian man and I got Tinder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this seems like a good plan, yeah. right? Uh, praise God for Tinder. I met my husband on Tinder. Amen. Um, but I, gosh, I resonate with that so much because there is a time early in college, like freshman, sophomore leading into junior year. Like I, what you said about embodiment of like, realizing that like our body carries trauma and taking that seriously. And there, I had a really hard battle with mental illness and getting diagnosed with the correct thing. Um, but a lot of that also stemmed from this like guilt of like, it would be so much like mentally telling myself it would be so much easier. Like if you could just follow what like the church wants like if you could become this kind of woman if you could marry this kind of man like if it didn't matter so much to you about like like lgbtq affirming like and this is me like as a closeted bisexual woman like being like oh like i could marry a man and be happy like i'm married to a man i'm very happy but i'm also open about my sexuality with him which is freeing and just so much like 
like having depressive episodes and panic attacks because of me wanting so bad to take the easy route and realizing that that was never going to be easy regardless, because it went against everything that at my core, my body was telling me like, no, like that's not what we want. Uh, and then it's not what we need. And so exactly like you said, like, I still, I went to a freaking Christian university. Like I was like, why can't one of them just pick me up? Like, I don't understand. Um, and then I got Tinder and even on Tinder, I dated some Christian men and they were freaking trash. And then I found my husband. Yes. And then I found my husband that was like, I grew up in the church. Like I have nothing against it. Like I was in active ministry working at a mega church. And he was like, knew I was studying ministry that I had intent of like, I think I want to be a pastor. And he was like, that's cool with me. Like I ain't got no issue with that. And I'm like, wow. Cause Christian men have an issue with that. So isn't that wild? <laughs> Damn. I did not have any desire to date anybody at our university. Those All right, Josie. <laughs> trash. No offense. I have lots of friends, but when you hear stories of them saying like, the Lord is calling me to break up. I was just like, oh, I don't think so. I'm not going to deal with that much. <laughs> Sounds the like only time I ever, the only time I ever pulled that was with a creepo who oh, told me, funny. he was like, he was like, I want to get closer to Jesus. And I'm like, and I want to get a, as far away from you as possible. So <laughs> Jesus is telling me right now that I need to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, 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 yeah. Um Speaking of fundamentalism. And because we uh, love the hot goss here, what are your thoughts about this whole Duggar situation? <laughs> oh, I could go for days. Yes, please. Yes. Okay. First of all, wait, can I just ask, did you grow up with their show? Or uh, Casually. Okay. We were never like, my parents were never like, these guys are like, these are they're doing it right. You know, my parents are like, yes. that's a lot of kids. That's really like, everybody kids. knows that they're weird. Okay. Um, very, very similar. My mom was like, we like to watch them together, but she was never like, this is how we're going to live our lives. It was very much like, they're a little kooky, but I like them in general. Like they're good, yeah, but quote, good, good Christian people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I feel that for sure. I mean, yeah. They're really good Christian people. I mean, oh, tell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I kind of went down the Duggar rabbit hole um, around the same time. Like, do you guys, are you fans of Fundy Fridays, Jen's channel on YouTube? Um, I'm going to have to be. (laughs) I'm not a YouTube person, but I'm You should you guys should check her out. She is uh, an atheist, born and raised, um, and she goes into fundamentalist groups and kind of like does some research, dissects them, talks about them, uh, from a very, very educational standpoint. Um, she does inject her opinion, uh, but makes it clear when she is giving her opinion and thoughts on a matter. Um, but I watched a video of hers about the Duggars. Um, and I hadn't, you know, seen the show in ages or anything related. Cause I haven't had cable TV since I was like 18. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that kind of like sparked the memory of like, oh yeah, those people exist. <laughs> and, um, after Josh's arrest happened and after the, the um, most recent one, the, yeah, the, okay. the CP arrest. Yes. No, if you guys want that on your, those words yeah. on your podcast, <laughs> no, um, 
I got you. After his most recent arrest, um, something like something just broke inside of me. And I was like, screw everyone in the church. Like that's where I had a hard time keeping my mouth shut and keeping myself coming from a place of like love. Um, I don't have personal experience with, um, with like SA. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't sure like what was so triggering about the whole situation, but after hearing why he was arrested and the extent of the abuse that he incurred on victims, especially as young as 18 months old, um, I think it was the, like, just, you know, the empathetic humanity inside of me, it just was like, it just shattered something inside of me. Yeah. And I, I felt the need to like put in my two cents and usually with, you know, with drama and pop culture, it's like, okay, everybody has two cents. And I'm like, like, no, this people aren't angry enough. The church is not angry enough about it why are people trying to sweep this under the rug why are people trying to just pass it off as like you know as pop culture because it's so much more insidious than that it is a reflection of the church why did his wife not leave him and have seven children with a guy i literally every time i think about anna duggar i literally have an article like pulled up and saved on my phone that i haven't read yet because it just like I just see like red whenever I think about that whole situation. Yeah. And I think exactly what you said of it's not being talked about like in pop culture, it's being talked about a lot because I follow people on TikTok and it comes up a very like TLC pop culture. But in terms of like the church and the culture, it's not being talked about because the sad reality of Anna Duggar is, I mean, well, she said stuff recently that I'm like, this girl is wild. She what did she say? Well, so she kind of thinks that the Biden administration like planted this and that it's all fake because they're very pro Trump, even though the original investigation started while Trump was in office. Like he's been investigated for years. You don't know about you, girl. Um, shit about you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyways. Uh, but, but some of the, like the reality of like, um, you know, when the, when Alec, like, not allegations, it's like true, but like when things came out about, um, like the current things and then what happened with his sisters, like Anna stayed through that. And unfortunately that is a product of the culture she was raised in because she was groomed to be a dutiful wife to this man, no matter what happens. And like, people make fun of it. Like there's TLC interviews of her being like, oh, he didn't take out the trash. Well, at least I have a husband because I could be taking out the trash and not have a husband. And like, people make fun of that. And it's like, yeah, it's funny, but it's also just so sad because of the reality of that is her truest sense of self right there of, Mm -hmm. I have these children and I have a husband, which means I am full and I am complete. My life is fulfilled. I don't need anything else. And it's heartbreaking when, you know, like not just the Duggars of continuing to groom her as an adult, but her, her parents set her up for this. Her parents raised her into this. And it's sad because I just want to like, 
again, I think she's freaking crazy, but if I had the power to drive to Arkansas and take her and her kids far, far away and get them all the help they need, I would do it in a heartbeat because there are so many women in that culture, just like her, because this thing happens, unfortunately, all the time and is swept under the rug and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, because people give men too much credit and not enough credit at the same time, right? Like men, women have to, you know, cover up or whatever because of the men, because you're not giving them enough credit, but you give them too much credit in the sense that when they act out on the sexual, like, whatever, like, you don't, like, you believe them when you don't believe the victims like what happened to protecting children what happened to protecting women all of a sudden because one dude says he didn't do it you believe him as opposed to all the other people or it's like the whole situation with ravi zacharias where he operated whole business loops with you know sexual assault and they kept it quiet up until a year after he was passed intentionally because they didn't want to overshadow his death he was a monster accept it and let other people know so that they don't consume his things or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah men are at once they get to take credit for every good thing and give away blame Mm -hmm. that that falls on them uh which usually falls on victims shoulders and and victims have to carry the weight of of the man's mis misstep and misdoing and and that was church yeah and that was clearly displayed with the duggar sisters because Mm -hmm. um when they were assaulted by their own brother their parents didn't really take legal action like they there are like police reports but like very limited information and basically it was like we're gonna send him to therapy approved by our church and we're going to like watch him. And then they built their like Duggar mansion house and they built it in a way. I don't know how familiar you guys are with the layout of their house, but their house is built in such a way that the upstairs is separated by a catwalk that's open. So if you're walking across it, everybody can see it. And the boys room is at the top of the stairs. So they have basically, they have no reason to walk that catwalk. Um, and then across the catwalk is their parents like master suite. And then behind that is the girl's bedroom, which is basically them being like, people have to walk past our bedroom to get to our girls. And like I said, the boys really have no business being back there. And that was their way of like, we're going to protect our kids. And I like appreciate that a little bit, but I would appreciate it more if you sent your son to one actual therapy and two, like maybe had some real legal action because you know what happened? It came out when you're, unfortunately your daughters were adults and had to relive the trauma in the public light because you chose to broadcast your family and had to sit through interviews that you can clearly tell they're very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And some of them now thankfully have spouses that are actively protecting them and are actively working behind the scenes to take them out of these situations and fight for their rights, which I'm like, see, there's upstanding men, even within these weird fundamentalist cultures, like there's still some men that are like, we don't condone abuse. And like, we want our wives and our children to be protected. Yes. Yeah. And to have opportunity. The girls are not given opportunity. They weren't even paid for being on TV for all those years. 
Yeah, they were not paid yeah. for the Counting On series either. That was still in in Jim, Jim Bob. Bob. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and now you know, uh, Derek uh, Derek Dillard is married to uh, Jill, and he's like a lawyer, uh, and he's kind of getting ramped up to Good. get his wife's money. Um, and you know, uh, Ginger Duggar, her husband, Jeremy, um, one is a, was a very successful soccer player, has a very great net worth and moved her to California. And are they still very conservative? Yes, but she can wear pants and whatever the heck she wants. And, um, she gets to live a normal life. And there's a lot of speculation that one of the reasons, cause originally they moved to Texas and so not super far away. But then they moved to California and, and Jim, Bob and Michelle were like heartbroken over it. And a lot of people are like, he did that on, on purpose because he wanted her to live a free life. And they wanted to have a family that was not consumed by Duggar culture. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, at obviously Josh and Anna, it's like nobody else wants to do that. Nope. They live on Duggar property. <laughs> I know. Even now, Anna is at the whim of Jim, Bob. It is just, it is astounding. The lack, the continued lack of care for anyone other than Josh. The fact that they are continuing to protect him even in this. And I mean, Jim Bob is throwing money at protecting Josh. And it's like, why, why? You have how many other kids? who were victims of this, this man, and you still have to have to protect him. He is the golden child to the nth degree. It is like, so unbelievable. They, you have minor children in your home that he is not allowed to be around for like the rest of forever. Mm -hmm. And you're still using your time and resources for him instead of protecting the children that live with you, protecting your daughters that were uh, like victims of this, mm -hmm. or even just like supporting his poor wife and their seven children. Like, mm -hmm. and I also am like, where the heck are Amy's parents? Like if I was her mother, I would have got her out of there a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And this is like the problem with these family structures created by fundamentalism, right? Is that her parents are probably like, well, she's married. We can't do anything about it. And at the end of the day, she's under his dad's ruling now because that's just how it goes or whatever. But realistically, and coming as somebody who experienced tons of abuse in my family, I don't understand how they still have their children. And I know that it's very sad and it's a huge bummer to, for kids to be taken out of their homes, but those children, those minors need to be taken from their parents because they're obviously do not have their best interests at heart. And these lunatics need to get a wake up call, right? Like you cannot protect your sex abusing husband, like, or child, like that's unreasonable, especially considering the amount of children that you decided to have. Like, I don't even know how they have like 20 something kids or whatever. 19 yeah. i think they had more after the show aired no they the show the show literally just got canceled like two weeks ago they had um more pregnancies but there was miscarriages so they have tw they have 19 living children mm -hmm. yeah no that it's just you can't even 
pay attention to that many kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way you're actually taking care of those children. Your children. And they don't. They well, have, they don't. Yeah, they have, they a buddy have the daughters <laughs> raising them. Yeah. Well, and and so their oldest daughter, Jana, um, I believe she she either just turned 30 or she's in her early 30s. Um, there is, and she's not married, and she you know, there's speculation of if she's queer or if she just doesn't want to get married. Um, and you know, some people are like, Oh, I like, she should just move out. But then other people are like, um, she probably actively decides to live there because she is protecting her younger sisters, which is heartbreaking. But the more you think about it, though, it just makes a ton of sense of just like the way that obviously we only know so much through television and social media, but she has always been very much of like the protector of her sisters. And so, yeah, it would make sense that why is she 30 and still lives with her parents? Because there's minor children that she wants to protect. And, um, and you know what we were talking about earlier of some of the, I think actually almost all of them, the older kind of brothers have denounced Josh and have said like, they're heartbroken and disappointed and they like don't want anything to do with him. Like, because like you said, he was like the golden, the oldest, like everyone should look up to him. And then this comes out and they're like, yeah, like that's not the standard we want to live by. And I'm like, good on you. Like now let's do something about it. Yeah. They have the agency to say something, but they don't have the agency to do anything about it. Well, if they're still living with their parents, yeah, they literally cannot because Jim Bob Duggar rules the world. (laughs) Jim Bob I have choice words for you. Hit me up. Oh, yeah. And then you you have to think, like, we are uh, privy to this information because they were on national television. I can't even imagine how many other families in, like, in the IBLP and then in the Greater Fundamentalist under that umbrella who are going through similar situations. And the victims are watching this and saying, my abuser will be protected. Mm-hmm. by his family and by the church. I don't, I, I may be incorrect on this, but I don't think that the IBLP has spoken out against Josh Duggar, um, nor have most fundamentalist groups, regardless no, of it's their family's business. Yeah. yeah. And if you speak on it, it's airing dirty laundry. Uh, yeah. And, and this is just a reminder that, um, you know, Josh Duggar was on the, I don't exactly know what it like, what the organization is called, but basically in Arkansas, there's like a organization, like fighting against basically LGBTQ rights. And it's on the, it's on like the stance of like trying to preserve like family values and like family morals. And I'm like, cool. So that was your spokesperson, this guy that is in jail now because he's a pedo. Well, he's not in jail. He's like on parole waiting trial, but that's a whole other issue. Um, and so, yeah, it's just one of those things of, like you said, like their organization, the IBLP, like, and so many other fundamentalist organizations have not spoken out yet. They want to actively speak out against like, Oh, we want to uphold family values and morals. And that's not the LGBTQ community yet. You have abusers within your own community. Exactly what you said are being protected, being swept under the rug. Like this is why, people are flooding outside of the church because we just can't be taken seriously when shit like this keeps happening. (laughs) And you should, and we should not be taken seriously, right? Churches, evangelicalism, fundamentalist churches should not be taken seriously if they continue to do this. And even past that at this point, because they're not going to change their minds. They have a warped view of family values that 
ultimately, I guess, just needs to be fucking burned to the ground. Burn it all down. <laughs> well, it's been lovely yeah. to have you. Uh, this, Thank yeah. you. It's yeah, it was so fun chatting. Yeah, I could literally go on about the Duggars forever and ever. It is a rabbit hole that just gets bigger and bigger the further down you fall. Yes. <laughs> when the trial starts, we should do a little series on it. <laughs> oh my I gosh, would that, that would be so fun. Yes. So. I would also like to talk more about... Um, like their schooling and education because Don't that is get me started. oh that yeah. is wild <laughs> yeah those booklets that every single kid learns out of it's like how do you end up with i don't even think they end up with a high school degree at the end no i mean no they they get at least enough that you know some of the sisters were able to pass like midwife programs which aren't easy um but yeah just wild that i'm like Mm-hmm. the state allows this like right <laughs> and people really wonder why i love california okay i, <laughs> my I know i'm in seattle seattle born and raised and oh now i'm in arizona wow. and i'm like oh wow it's different here the two of you what we're gonna have to yeah. connect after this <laughs> yeah for real yeah i'm gonna stick to i'm gonna stick to southern california baby uh, <laughs> although i'm in orange county where all of fun like evangelicalism yep. emanates and the red bubble of california <laughs> <laughs> never mind fuck me anyways oh my uh, goodness. where can the people find you plug everything yes okay you can find me on instagram i have my personal instagram account which is emmy joe with three m's um, and then you can follow me at hello God, it's me, Margot, and Margot spelled with a T. That's where you can find the deconstruction community of your dreams and memes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also on YouTube um, under hello God, it's me, Margot, um, where I cover fundamentalist stuff, pop culture, the Duggars, um, and stuff like Twilight. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You guys are the same. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of everything over there. Um, and then I'm I'm on Twitter, but you'll have to hunt me down. <laughs> hey, love it. Spencer, where can the people find us? They can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. They can find Josie at Josie Takes the World. And they can find me at Spence Rose. All right, friends, as always, stay woke or get woke. Jesus loves you. Bye. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.